Welcome to the Vivid Church Podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, it's our hope that this message would help you reflect the light of Jesus' life for all to see. Now, here's Pastor Justin Reimer. Why don't you grab your Bible if you have it with you. I want to share an exciting little message as we conclude our series about honor. We're going to turn to the book of Psalm chapter 90. Psalm chapter 90, and when you get to Psalm chapter 90, I want you to put your hands together and make some crazy noise for Neto up here. Neto, who's incredible, the one and only, nobody like Neto. Neto, who brings his keyboard on the SkyTrain from Burnaby. Neto and his wife Priscilla are actually going to be leading a hub in, in Burnaby. If you live out in that area, check it out. And uh, if you like playing basketball, come to my hub. We're going to have fun. We're just going to play basketball. We're going to meet at Woodward's building, play ball, meet some people, pray together, have some, some good times. It's going to be great. Psalm chapter 90, if you have your Bible there. Psalm chapter 90 in verse 12. Psalm 90 verse 12, this one really simple thought that I want to ponder together today and, and see if perhaps uh, it speaks to the present circumstance of our life. Here we go. Psalm 90 in verse 12 says this, teach us, Lord, to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, Lord, to number our days that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Another translation puts it this way. Teach us to weigh our days. Like teach us to put our day and our time on a scale and see how much it's worth. As we've been talking about this topic of honor the definition that we've landed upon is really simple. When you honor something, you are giving it weight. When you give weight to something, you're honoring it. Like if I honor the presence of another person, I give them enough weight that I'm going to do my best to make some eye contact. I might even put my phone down and I'm going to listen. And man, if I really honor them, I'm going to remember as well. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like that is what we're doing when we show honor to someone. We are, are giving weight to the words that they have. Have you ever ha- had a person who you don't know try to speak advice into your life? Like, like there's only so much weight you're going to give a random stranger as they walk by. But a person that you know, that loves you, that you trust, that you've observed their life, when they speak, you give their words weight. Why? Because you honor them. You believe that they have something important to put into your life. And here the Bible's saying this, that, that we need to put weight on our time. We need to understand the value that exists in our time. Do you know how valuable time is? My goodness, we we can honor God through finance. The Bible says honor God with your wealth. We can honor God with our words. The fruit of our lips give him praise. We can honor God certainly one of the greatest ways is the way we honor one another. The Bible says if you say you love God and you don't love the people right in front of you, you don't love God. Like you haven't understood what love is yet if you can't show love, dignity, respect, show humanity to the people around you. But one of the ways we also honor God, I think one of the greatest ways, is with our time. Understanding the value and the weight that our time has. And so here the psalmist is saying, teach me how to weigh out time well so that I can grow in wisdom. Anybody here passionate about getting better at anything in life? You raise your hand if that's you. Anybody on, on a journey? Anybody a work in progress? Man, if, if you're here today, you woke up, you looked in the mirror, and you said, yep, done, arrived, here, did it. Do you know what that means? It means it's downhill from here. I mean, like not one of us would be at that place in our life. Every one of us is desiring to improve, desiring to get better. Do you know it's possible to be completely content but not satisfied? The Bible says the secret to contentment is to understand this. You can 
do all things through Christ who gives you strength. Because I'm so content in that reality, I am not nearly satisfied because there's still more things to do. And there's still more things that I can do that as the day goes by, I'm going to keep on growing and getting better. Aren't you glad you're not done yet? Aren't you glad God's not done with you yet? Meaning this, that we can actually grow in wisdom, that our lives could bear more fruit, that our lives could be more effective. And one of the keys here is if we could learn how to weigh our time well. And time's an interesting thing, isn't it? Anybody anybody have that, that friend in your group of friends who's always late? Anybody? If you don't know who it is, you're the one. You're like, I never have to wait for anyone. They're waiting for you. That's why. It's amazing. And they, they simply this, like, oh, I mean, traffic, it's crazy. Traffic by my house. Like, you've lived in that house for six years. <laughs> the traffic patterns are virtually the same. Unless a cement truck broke down in front of you, like, like it's probably not traffic. It's just the way you value time. You didn't put enough value on, on the time to be there, right? Have you, have you ever had that person who, who's like a quality time person? Is that you? Like, qual- like being together, spending quality time. It's funny, for non-quality time people, and, and those, those of you who, who are quality time oriented, you know who you are. You know exactly who you are. I just want good, quality, meaningful time with the people that I love and care about. You can give me gifts, whatever. You can do acts of service, but I just want to spend time with you. People who don't value quality time, they think what they're being asked for is quantity time, Right? I just want to spend some time with you. It's like we've been sitting on other sides of the sofa for hours on our phones. What more do you want? It's been a lot of time. No, 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 quality time. That, that time is not only quantitative, it's qualitative. And here the psalmist is saying, like, like, don't just teach me how to measure minutes. Don't just teach me how to understand the linear experience that we are all stuck in. Like, watch this, ready? This moment right here, that's now part of our past. We just made history together. It's amazing. Like we're all stuck. We're all stuck in a linear time. And, and concepts like understanding the nature of God can seem kind of abstract. And we've got to figure that out in this linear construct that is time. And in our shared experience that is this moment, this moment in time. And so it's not just teaching us how to number out our days. Teach us how to understand how long a minute is. Teach us how to understand how long an hour or a month or a decade is. It's understanding how to know the quality of time. God, teach me to measure time as a quality. There's nothing more valuable than time, and we can all afford it. You ever been around that person who's so productive, and you're like, you just must have an extra day in your week? Nope. They all have, like we, it's amazing. We all have the same amount of time, 168 hours every week. But in a couple weeks, we got leap year. Going to get 169 hours. What are we going to do with it? Sleep, says someone. It's amazing. No, you'll probably just watch two extra episodes on Netflix and be like, oh, I, I, I'll get it back. 168 hours a week. We have the same amount of time. And here the psalmist is saying, God, I want to understand how to weigh my time well because I want to get wiser. I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I'd love to be more creative. I'd love to be more efficient. I'd love to be more excellent. Anybody else in the room? That's your heart. One of the greatest ways you can is learning how to honor time. So if you're taking notes tonight or tonight, I need to understand how to value time. It's only the afternoon. What am I doing? If you're taking notes, just write this down, this title, time honored, time honored. A person who's wise understands how to honor time. 
a person who's wise understands how to use time to honor others and to honor God. And I want to talk about three different times in our life, okay? Three different times that we all share. Our past, our future, and our present. Our past, our future, and our present. Everyone in this room, we have a different length past. Like, like the chances are nobody was born at the exact same instant. We, we've got a, a past that has a different length to it. But the Bible would say there is kind of a common story to it. In fact, the Word of God says this. If anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So if you're here today and you've made a confession of, with Jesus being the Lord of your life, then you share this reality with me and the others in the room who have the same joint confession. We all have a dark past. Every one of us have a past. The Bible says this, we've been brought from darkness into light. There's some of you here today, you've not made that confession in Jesus, and you feel like, I couldn't because my past is so dark. It's so full of mistakes. It's so full of flaws. It's so full of shame, so full of regret. I've been making the mistake. I'm not the person I'd like to be. Guess what? Our joint experience of the past is, is similar. We have a very dark past. Now, if you could picture with me, imagine if, if there were like a source of light right here, okay? Everyone imagine with me, got a source of light. When I stand here, where, where does that shadow cast off the source of light? It's amazing. The hand signals in the room, unbelievable. You're getting it. It would have been really good if I'd actually put a light here, but you got such good imaginations. I didn't want to, like, speak down to you. Okay? Source of light, this is where I stand in, in, in my moment. Everything on this side of me is a shadow, correct? And that shadow actually moves as I move. That shadow seems to be inevitably linked to me. The more I move, where I move, the shadow is cast on different things. Now, here's the thing. If I look to the light, where's the shadow? It's behind me. I don't know what the shadow is hitting because I'm looking at the light. I'm looking at the source of light, and there's actually no shadow here. As I look to the source of light, there's no shadow whatsoever. But if I were to turn around and take my eyes off the light, then where's the shadow? In front of me. And that shadow in front of me actually is bigger than it ever was. It's actually more daunting than it really was in real time. That shadow, as I look at it, every, every way I move, if I'm trying to get away from it, it feels like it just bleeds over into new areas and brings darkness with it. For some of us, we have not understood how free we really are in Jesus. And so the light of God's grace shining upon us, the Bible says, as you look to him, you look more like him. And here we are in this moment with the grace of God shining upon us, and, and yet we're focused on the shadow of the mistakes and the regret and the shame. That, man, I was such a terrible husband, and, and everywhere I move, it feels like that failure touches everything. I was such an angry person, so self-centered, so bitter, so, so lost, so angry, so hurtful. And it's like everywhere I go, that shadow is touching new things and new people, and I just can't seem to get away from it. I was such a, a, a rebellious teenager. I hurt my parents. I let them down. I was such an angry drunk, and everything I did, it and we live in the regret from our past. The simple reality is this. We need to turn towards the light. The Bible says, in view of God's mercy, let us offer our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. It's a spiritual act of worship. And no longer be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed with new thinking. New thinking. That, that yes, everybody has a dark past, but we all have a bright future. 
You might not typically take notes, but I want you to write down three things today, okay? Just three things. You can take down more notes if you're a note taker. If you're not, jot these three things down. If we're going to understand how to weigh our time well, first of all, we need to do this. Ready? Honor God's power with your testimony. Honor God's power with your testimony. That's how you talk about your past. You honor the power of God through your testimony. But be aware that your past will try to weigh you down. Honor God's power with your testimony, but be aware your past will try to weigh you down. So here you are trying to give the proper weight to your past. What's the appropriate weight that I should give it? It is a platform of honoring the power of God in my life. No matter how dark my past, the light is brighter. No matter how big my faults and failures, the kindness and the goodness of God is bigger and greater. And so I do not have to be ashamed of anything in my past. If there's a part of your story you feel like you can't tell, I'm praying in Jesus' name that you understand a revelation of how truly free you are, how desperately loved you are, that you can understand there is nothing behind you that defines who you are today except for the grace of God that shone upon you that moment when he revealed his love and kindness to you. And so how do we weigh our past well? By simply saying this, God is good. He, he like, He's amazing. I was so desperately lost and now I'm found. I think the only reason we don't share that testimony is because we're carrying the shame of our shadows with us. Why? Because our past, it tries to weigh us down. Our, our mistakes, they try to reattach themselves. The fears that we bring, the regret that we bring. And I want to say this to you. Regret is a lousy motivator. Regret is a lousy motivator. Regret is not strong enough to motivate you towards wisdom. Regret is not significant or weighty enough to actually motivate you towards victory. All it will do is weigh you down. The Bible says this, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they become a new creation and the old is gone. In fact, the Bible would teach this, that God, he takes our sin from us and then he puts it in a sea of forgetfulness. And he says this, as far as east is from west, that's how far I've removed your sin. Yeah, but God, I was so terrible. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe what I did that summer after grade 10. <sighs> what was I thinking? And God's like, I, sorry, I, I don't know what you're talking about right now. Because when I look at you, all I see is, is the righteousness of Jesus. All I see is my son or my daughter. I don't see that in you. I'm not sure this thing, thing you're talking about. I see a miracle that took place in your life the moment you were born, reborn from death to life. I don't, I don't connect any of this with your story. Regret will try to weigh you down. How do we weigh the past well? By honoring God's power through our testimony. Last week I was in... I was in Detroit, and uh, Titus and I went on a trip, and I was preaching at about three different churches there, did a conference and some training for a staff there. We had a great time. On my way there, uh, we were getting onto our plane, and the flight attendant, they came up and said, hey, I don't think there's going to be room for your bag, but don't worry. We'll check it for you. Have you ever had that? Like, don't worry. We'll check it for you. And, and what they're trying to say is this, it won't cost you anything. And what I'm hearing is this, except for my time. And my time is valuable. Like, don't worry. We won't charge you dollars, but I'm thinking, but you will charge me in time. Now, instead of doing this and walking out of the plane, I got to go wait at that carousel. You know what I'm talking about? Wait for my bag to come. But it's, it's one of those things like, sir, can I offer you a free check bag? It's like, no, 
okay, then you can leave your bag here. Like there's no, there's no in between, right? So I just try to be a gracious passenger. It's not that flight attendant's fault. It's not their problem that the policies allow for people to take nine carry-ons and just like wear seven jackets. Like it's not their fault. So I'm like, yeah, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. And so we were going to land at five o'clock and we had to be an event at seven o'clock. Plenty of time. We landed on our plane at five o'clock and, and we went down to the carousel and we waited and the carousel went and bags came and then the carousel stopped and there was no more bags on it. There were still people standing around. And as people were standing around, they, it was amazing. They were all just standing there looking at it, an immovable carousel, just watching it intently. I'm like, I'm like hey, guys, everyone waiting for their bags? And there's 13 people. They're like, yeah. Yep. I'm like, hey, do you think we should ask someone? I'm like, I just want to be together. Like, come on, let's be a team. Can we all be friends? So I'm like, hey, guys, don't worry. I'm going to go ask them. So I went up, and I asked the, the agent. I said, hey, the, our carousel stopped, and, and so there's no, like, bags left in there. There's 13 of us. And she's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, 13 bags did not make this flight. So I okay, cool. Was there a time you were going to tell us that? I thought that. I didn't say it. Not her fault. Not her fault. Computer didn't tell her to say it. And I said, okay, so is there, like, a plan for those bags then? She goes, oh, I don't know. Who might know? I'm like, is there someone who might know the plan that that exists for my bags? And then she looks, she goes, oh, yeah, yeah, good news. They're going to be here, she said, at at, uh, 2,100 hours. And do you ever get that when someone drops, like, the army time and then you have to stop and do the math? Like, 12, 13 is 1, 14 is 2, 15. You you do that? And so I'm looking through, I'm like, okay, what? 9 o'clock? I'm like, that's four hours from now. I said, yeah, good news, they're on the way. We know exactly where they are. I'm like, you know where they are, but they're not here. So it's not good news. And I thought, isn't that interesting how, how she was just saying, hey, good news. You're going to get him back. And what I was hearing is bad news because I still have to experience all the time that exists in between here as I'm measuring out the value of my time. Well, sure enough, when we got back at 9, they were off shift, and so I didn't get my bag till the next evening. It's amazing. It's funny how the, the lines change. It's funny how the goal changes. In the moment, you're like, my bag better be the next one off this carousel because I want to stop for food before this event. And then you're like, my bag better get here tonight because I don't want to wear these same clothes tomorrow. And then you're like, I just hope they find my bag. You ever found that? Like throughout life, life like takes a couple rounds out of you and you're like, I don't know. I just hope it's not worse. It's amazing. How do we handle our past well? We, we understand this. It's all about testimony. It's all about honoring God's power. It's all about being grateful for his grace. But don't let it weigh you down. Don't let your mistakes weigh you down. Because God doesn't see that in you. He doesn't pin that to you. He sees the work that Jesus did on the cross. It's a victory story. How do we weigh the the future? Because, you know, all of us, we have this shared reality that is our future. Now, our future might not be same time, same place. For each of us is likely to, to vary in length, although the Bible says that if you're in Christ, then your future is eternal. But we have this future going forward. And I, I find, I don't know about you, when, when I look to the future, I, I've got tons of choices to make. Anybody else? Tons of choices to make. And, and all of them, if I'm not careful, can be motivated around anxieties. For many of us, when we look to our future, what we see is all the what ifs. The infinite web of what ifs. Well, what if this happens and then that happens? And if that goes bad, then I'm going to do this. And if I do this, I know how they're going to react and then I'm going to be alone. And then we work back to, to now and then we try the next scenario. But what if, 
A is B and B is C. And then we start doing like weird algebra in our mind. Anybody else? Anybody else like figure out the, the, the debt repayment structure of your future and just keep replaying it over and over and over and trying to figure out where the digits are going to come from? Anybody else think through your future and imagine all the worst case scenarios? Is, is it just me? Anxiety, it, it can rule us. It can dominate us. And anxiety by very nature is not logic based. And so we, we can't solve anxiety through logic. Like someone's saying like, oh, it'll be fine. Like, cool. That doesn't help me at all right now. Because I wasn't, I wasn't sharing with you my logic. I was just sharing with you my, ah! like, like, I don't know if that's going to help. How do we weigh our future well? You see, we live and we cannot help ourselves. We live caught in the tension of the already and the not yet. That's this moment, this moment, and this one. And this one, if I kept saying this after a while, it would just stress some people out right now. Anxiety, it's crazy. It's also contagious, isn't it? You ever get around an anxious person and all of a sudden you start to feel kind of anxious? You know what else is contagious is faith. Get around a person of faith, and those two end up being in conflict. Let, let me ask you to write this down, okay? You wrote down one point about your past. Here's a point about your future. Ready? Honor God's purpose with your faith and your hope. But be aware every time that your future tries to weigh in. Every time that your future is trying to speak to your present, just be aware. It might be great. It might be good advice, but often your future can be a lying mentor. See, regret is a lousy motivator, but future can be a lying mentor. That anxiety of your future, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? You're going to fail. It's going to be crazy. Everyone's going to hate you. And often we can find what our biggest fear is by what that web of anxiety leads us towards. If our biggest fear is, is, is going without, every anxious pathway leads us towards poverty. And if our fear is being alone, every anxious fear leads us towards rejection. And whatever that great fear is, it, it ends up mentoring us in that location. So here's the thing. How do we honor the purpose of God in our life? Because I believe the future is bright. And just like the past is dark, my future is bright. And God has a purpose in store for me. And the Apostle Paul could say something like this. I am going to forget what is behind me and press on towards what is ahead of me. I'm going to actually like run after it and strive for it because I want to take hold of that for which God took hold of me. So here's the, the decision we need to make. The decision we need to make when, when weighing out our future is we need to confess statements of faith. We need to be people who speak hope. Who say, I'm not talking about faking it, and I'm not by any means talking about pretending away the present. We'll get to the present in a moment. But we need to speak the truths and the realities of God. Like, I feel so afraid right now, but the Bible says that God didn't give me that spirit of fear. God gave me power, love, and a sound mind. And so somehow in this moment, I've accepted something that didn't even come from God. I don't want what doesn't come from God. So right now, God, I'm going to give you this fear. Oh, there it is again. Crazy fear. Trying to do whatever I can to weigh into my present. I'm still contending for this, that the Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Do you know your prayer life could sound a little more like that? Your prayer life doesn't have to sound polished. Your prayer life doesn't have to sound very uh, regal and, and, and you know, uh, calm, your prayer life can be a little panicked. Your prayer life can be exactly how you would talk to a friend who's actually nearby because that's where God positions himself in accordance with you. So I want to challenge you. Now I'm saying this and it's going to feel like this trite little statement. Like 
all of us face anxieties, and some of us have profound anxiety that actually mentors every moment of our life. But, but regardless of where on that spectrum you fall, this is the only the only way out of it. Now, hold up. Not saying you shouldn't see a counselor. Not saying that medical health professionals are not there. How many people are grateful for people who have dedicated their life to help us overcome things? It's amazing. It's amazing. Like, just do both and. Like, don't stop seeing a professional. If you have medication that's helping you, praise God. But continue to confess statements of faith about your future because God has a good plan for you. In fact, the Bible says his plan for you brings pleasure to his life. Like he stops, he's like, whoo, that's going to be good. They're going to love it. It's tailor-made for them. It's going to be amazing. Like, like it's better than they thought. It's beyond their wildest dreams. Here they are anxious in the moment. But I'm telling you, when you get to the other side, God's got good. And if it's not good yet, God's not done yet. So you just keep on going forward. He's got a plan for you, and we speak faith. Now, now both of these things seem trite, right? Like, how do you weigh out your past well? Testifying, being thankful. How do you weigh out your future well? Statements of faith, being hopeful. This will be like before, we've got, what, 166 hours and 37 minutes before we'll be here again. Like, that's all of our experience. we got just these hours. And all of us, at some point in that span, we'll have to deal with some regrets from our past. All of us. And it might be like on Tuesday, regretting a decision we made on Monday. Why did I stay up so late? Whatever. And all of us will have to deal with some anxieties about our future. Maybe our distant future or the future like what's going to happen to our, our family and our, our business and everything. Or, or just strictly like, oh man, what's going to happen tomorrow if I show up at work and someone's mad at me? All of us are going to have to do these two things. We live in this tension. And moments, the crazy thing, that are we're anxious about now, we're just going to be regretting tomorrow. Because that's, that's how we've built this pattern in our life. Past we regret and future we're anxious about. We need to learn how to weigh this moment well now. This one. So write this down as well, okay? This last thought I want you to get down today. Honor God's presence with your presence. Honor God's presence with your presence. Where is God? In connection to you, he's near you. He's with you. He's here in this moment. The Bible would go so far as to say this. When two or more people gather, I'm going to show up. It's one of the reasons I tell people, if you're in town, be at church. If you're not in town, like be around some people. Get around some people. Because when people gather in the name of Jesus, he presences himself. And how do we honor the presence of God? By our presence. Being present. Being in the moment. But be aware that your present doesn't outweigh his promise. Like, how do you honor God? His presence? With your presence. Be present. You ever been invited out to, like, a family dinner to a restaurant you don't like eating at? And you're like, but I don't like that food. It has nothing to do with the food. It has to do with grandma being in town. And you honor grandma's presence with your presence. You show up because grandma's in town. And it doesn't matter if you like that food. Grandma likes that food. So, and it doesn't matter, even if there was no food, you want to be together because you honor the presence of a, are you following me? You understand what I'm saying? How do we honor the presence of God is by being present, by just like fighting for it and taking thoughts captive. I will not live in the past and I will not live in the future. I can only live in this moment. I can only cherish and treasure this moment right now. And God is here in this moment. And there's something for me to learn in this moment. And so I'm not looking as testimony and faith to be escapes from our present, but to ground us in the reality. I'm suffering right now, but in my suffering in this moment, I'm learning something 
And the suffering is not going to be all I'll experience. On the other side, like God promises that weeping will be replaced with joy. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I'm not going to just escape from this moment. I'm going to be present in it. I want to live in this moment. Are you following? On Sunday, so we, we were in, in Windsor preaching at a church, and, and then at night, Sunday night, I had to preach at a church in Detroit. And right in, in the in the in between, there was enough time for Titus, my 11-year-old son, and I to go to a uh, an NFL game. So it was Detroit Lions playing against the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Detroit Lions are not a great team. Kansas City Chiefs are a fairly good team. So we thought we're probably not going to see a home win, but it's going to be fun. And we walked into the uh, the stadium, and it was interesting, like the subset of people that you find yourself in in sporting arenas. I, I, like, I don't know if you enjoy people watching. I kind of do. And so I, I found myself in the moment trying to kind of just observes things. And there was someone sitting with us and near us who had zero care for what was happening in the game. In fact, I asked someone, I said, like, how excited are you right now? Like a three out of 10? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Like, like zero or less. Like, okay. Like, he's like, I do not care what happens whatsoever. And he's the guy who every play, he would just shout out, yay, sports! You know, that guy, right? And then there were some people there. I'm like, hey, how excited are you for this game right now? They're like, neither of these teams matter to us, so... Yeah, we just want to see a good game. You know, there's th- those fans. And it's probably kind of where we fell. We're like, we might as well cheer for the home team because we're here. But but they aren't like the team that, that gets us pumped. But we were surrounded, other than that, by some very passionate fans. Like, they wore all the gear. Like, like like if you're wearing more than one piece of memorabilia, you're you're committed. They were wearing jerseys of past players, right? At, at halftime, they honored their 50 greatest players in history, and the biggest moment of the entire game was when Barry Sanders, you know, took center field and just waved, and everyone's like, Barry, 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 and they were showing, like, this incredible honor for the greatest player they ever had. But the, these, these people surrounded me. I noticed... Two people that really stood out. There was a guy sitting in the row in front of us, and every play, every play of the game, he pulled out his phone. He wasn't going for for stories because it wasn't vertical. He was just filming horizontally, I guess, for his own memories. Okay? And he pulled out his phone, and he'd be like, here we are. It's third and eight. We're on the 17. What's going to happen? And then the play would go on, and if it was a not exciting play, then he would do this. He'd go, fan back through, delete video. Then he'd open up his video app again, hold his phone horizontally. He's like, here we are. Now it's fourth and eight. We're about to punt. Let's see what's going to happen. And he would like be watching his phone, watching the field, watching his phone, watching the field. And if it wasn't exciting, he'd go through and delete it. And then he'd pull the phone out again. Okay, they got the ball, but our defense is up. And it's going to be exciting to see what's going to happen. And I thought it was interesting. Like it was, it was a funny way to do sports, but actually a pretty great way to do life. Like, honestly, a pretty great way to do life. Imagine if we were that present in the moments of our life. And I'm not, like, you could take the phone out of it, but the excitement energized into it. We're like, oh, man, life is going really hard, and I'm feeling a little bit depressed, but God's alive and he's real. I wonder what's going to happen. Like, imagine if we lived that present in our moment, and then moments pass by. We're like, oh, man, I'm super sick, and I'm praying for a miracle. It would be great to be healed. I wonder what's going to happen. <coughs> Okay, delete that one. Here we go. Still feeling sick, but God's still on the, like imagine if we lived that present. That'd be crazy. That'd be a great way to live. And I, I sat there a moment, I'm like, that's, there's something so honoring about a fan of a team who's I just don't want to miss the moment. I want to be found 
in the presence of that moment, I don't want to miss a moment. How, imagine if we were more than just fans of Jesus, but we understand that he, we're, we're friends of God. And around him, stuff's always happening. And here we are, we're going like, but my past, look at all my mistakes. And missing the present, worried about our past, regretting our past, reliving how bad we felt when we got rejected. Why are we doing that? Or, or, or sitting, worried about the future. I think it was Corey Ten Boom who said that when we, we live in anxiety, we are borrowing tomorrow's problems and trying to solve them with today's power. And we don't rob tomorrow of its problems. We just rob today of its power. Living in anxiety, like now I'm just drained, anxious, and exhausted, and I still have to experience tomorrow? Like I wake up tomorrow, I still have to go through it? Oh, my goodness. Like we, we have to live in the present. In Ephesians chapter 5, it says this, Ephesians chapter 5, I, I could get real deep into this, but I'm just really simply, it says this, like learn what God's will is. And then it says this, redeem the time because the days are evil. Or the NIV says this, make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Understand what God's will is. Learn it and understand it. How? By living in this moment. God wants to teach us in this moment. There's something to be experienced in this moment. But I fear too many of us, we let exactly what's happening in this moment dictate everything we feel about ourselves, our, our existence, God's power, our community, our, our culture, the world, like everything that we're feeling right now, it just, it, it dictates everything. See, on the other side of me, there was a fan decked out. He had the hat, he had the jersey, he had everything. And, and, and I'll, I'll kid you not, the entire game, every positive play, in the whole game, every positive play for yardage, every call that went his way, he, he, he stood up and he just said this, I'm buying in! I'm buying in! I'm buying in! And then the guys behind him were patting him back like, this is our year, man. This is our year, man. This is like our Super Bowl right here. And he's like, I'm buying in! And every negative play in the entire game, not some of them, everyone, every play for a loss of yardage, every call that didn't went their way, he stood up, he's like, see, see, that's why, that's why, right there, that's why, they do it to us every, this is why, this is what it's like, welcome to Detroit, man, welcome to being a Lions fan, little guy, welcome, this is what it's like, every time, they do it to us every time, every time, and then they'll be like, actually, holding, five-yard penalty, yeah, I'm buying in, I am buying in, he, honestly, the entire game, I don't know how he, he didn't, like, lose himself in exhaustion. The whole game. And then the game ended with a last-second loss. He's like, well, yeah, that's what it's like. That's what it's like. Welcome to Detroit. Am I right, guys? Am I right? Welcome to Detroit. Doing it to us again. All right, let's go. Let's get to the parking lot. The entire game. And you know what happened? Like, like emotionally, he got nowhere. He felt a lot of feels, but he got nowhere. And here's the thing I want to say when it, when it comes to the present moment. Here, we have to foster our presence well. We have to foster these moments well because momentum is simply a series of moments spent in the same direction. When you start linking together moments with the same trajectory, you start living in some momentum. When you make decisions day in, day out that are leading in the same way, you start to grow some momentum in your life. That's how momentum is built is through moments. Through fostering and stewarding this moment well. So how do we honor God's presence? By our presence. And understand what you're feeling right now is not bigger than the promise he has for you. The suffering you feel right now, Paul would say to the Corinthians, like the suffering you feel, it's totally real. It's just nothing compared to the future glory you'll experience. 
So it's totally real. Don't pretend it away. Feel it. Like, grieve it. Experience it. Live it. But just know that as you are, you're not alone. God hasn't left you. He hasn't rejected you. He's right there with you. There's something you feel to learn in that process. And if we don't do that, distraction of the moment, emotional distractions in our moment end up being lousy momentum builders. Like, like we lose momentum when we live tossed around by the moment. Like, yeah, I want to buy in. I just want to stay bought in. And when things go bad, it's like, no, I get to buy low. Woo! If you don't understand investment, it doesn't matter. Like, I, I'm not going to stop buying in because God is faithful and God is true. You know, in Ephesians 5 where it says this, like, understand what God is doing. Know his will for your life and redeem the time. Like, spend your time well. Use your time well. Then it goes on to say, like, here's a great way to party. Here's a great way to do relationship. Here's a really great way to do church. And it's just like into the real practical of life. But, 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 but my marriage, yeah. You know what? If you understand what God's will is and you, don't re- and you redeem the time well, you'll do marriage better. You'll do partnering better. You'll do church better. You'll do work better. You'll do every aspect of your life better. What will happen? You will grow in wisdom. So I, just as the psalmist says, teach me to weigh my days well. Teach me to understand the weight and quantity and quality of time well so I can be, grow wiser over the long haul. We hope that you enjoyed this edition of the Vivid Church podcast. For more information about Vivid Church, check out our website at www.vivid.church or look us up on Instagram at vivid.church. Have the best day.